Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Acá metían ahora para Cacho Delgado, está habilitado. Palermo Ferrari, al cielo habilitado. Gol de Palermo, gol de Palermo, gol de Palermo. Good morning. Across the United Kingdom, people have been celebrating the start of the new millennium. Que mete ahora para Palermo habilitado. Acaba Martín para el segundo, Palermo para el segundo. Si llega hasta Palermo para el segundo. Hundreds of thousands converged on city centres the length of the land to enjoy fireworks, street parties and concerts. Estamos en casi siete minutos. Dos bocas tiro Real Madrid. Hace partido el pase para Roberto Carlos. Tabarcán Vivarra engancha Roberto Carlos. Tiene descuento Roberto Carlos. The first babies of the century have been born and there's no real sign yet of the millennium bug. Hello everyone, welcome to Greatest Games on Football Ramble Daily in association with The Blizzard. My name is Marcus Speller, opposite me is Jonathan Wilson. And joining us today is Rupert Fryer, football writer, editor of Brazil Global Football and contributor for The Guardian, Independent, ESPN and many, many more. Rupert, it's a bloody pleasure having you here. It's a pleasure to be here, Marcus. Good man. Um, and I should say, uh, a former player for the Football Ramble football team. Indeed. Yes. Um, yeah, so, so am I. Yeah, I show you, uh, you did have a 20 minute sub appearance once. No, 20 minutes of a start, then I got subbed. But oh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that counting? was due to injury, not uh, being No, no it was due, due to being tired. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I think only one of us had the number 10 retired as well. So. Well, indeed, yeah. We'll get on to that, I'm sure, <laughs> who you modelled your game on. But we should say that um, 
that today we're talking about the Intercontinental Cup, sorry, or officially called the Toyota European South American Cup, uh, which happened in the year 2000, which finished Real Madrid 1, Boca Juniors 2. Rupert, why have you chosen this game? Um, I chose this game, I think, because it, it, it was just sort of like the perfect synthesis of, I think, three major players from the last couple of decades or so in Argentinian football who kind of resonated beyond their borders in, in Carlos Bianchi, the manager in in Riquelme, of course, the Argent- Argentina's last great enganche, and Martin Palermo. Call him by his full name. Who? Saint Martin Palermo. San Martin, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, I suspect that you've 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 really chosen this because you're an enormous fan of Juan Roman Riquelme. I am indeed. And you you hinted at it there. You you feel that he is the last great. Would you say number ten? Mm, I'm not sure. I think our definitions in the 10 have kind of changed a little bit over the sure. last couple of decades. Yeah, the game's changed. I mean, Messi is a 10, but he's a very different 10 to Vicarame. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, he's he's the last of that old school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you use the word enganche. The enganches don't exist anymore because yeah. everybody is an enganche. Everybody's linking everything now. So what, 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 is the, is. what is the translation of enganche? Oh, it means hook. And it, it's yeah. a, the enganche was the player who would, who, he was the hook who linked mm-hmm. the midfield to the, to the forward line. So Argentinian football had this great tradition of la pausa the the, the pause um uh, and it's it's that moment of stillness as a number 10 plays the pass to the forward that, that is celebrated i mean I, I suppose in world terms the great example of la pausa is pele rolling ball outside him for carlos alberto in, in the 1970 world cup final which really annoys argentinians that a brazilian <laughs> is the one who <laughs> Who, who achieved this on a sort of global stage. But Argentinians, I think, would probably say that, and certainly in, in relatively recent times, the greatest exponent of this is, is Carlos Pochini, who had yeah, the great Independiente um, and Ganche. Uh, who has a I, past named after him. Yeah. And I, 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 I interviewed him ab- about this, and he was he's a very strange, awkward man, but get him talking on La Pausa, he will go on forever. <laughs> Um, he's like literally blood out of a stone, and then suddenly uh-huh. this tidal wave. Um, and yeah, he actually explains there's two different types: there's the one where the player is still, and this player sort of stops, and then he yeah he triggers the pass. And there's the one where you create a moment of stillness by moving at the same pace as everybody else. And he he had this incredible recall described a goal he'd set up in the '84 Libertadores final against Gremio. And when I went on YouTube to look it up afterwards, his description of it is exactly what happens. So I, I think La Pausa is sort of, it, it's that, that the Enganche has this sort of vision of everybody on the pitch. They know where everybody is and they see the space and they play the pass. And La Pausa is that final moment before it's played. And Riquelme was the modern master of that. Yeah, we were just talking about um, our mutual friend Ezekiel fernandez Moraes before we came on air. And actually when, a great Argentinian <clears throat> journalist. A great Argentinian journalist. And actually when speaking to him, he said about football. He said to me about football that there is no music, but La Pausa helps make the music. <laughs> I love that. Uh, we should say about this game that, uh, of course, the Intercontinental Cup doesn't exist anymore. It was a sort of the pre-runner to the Club World Cup. Would you say? Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it was around for a few years. I think the last uh, of its kind was two thousand three or two thousand four, uh, but it was seen as the unofficial sort of Club World Cup title. It was the winners of, of uh, the Champions League versus the winners of the Copa Libertadores. And at that time, it was kind of all the winners of the European, uh, the top prize in Europe, top prize South America, 
that kind of uh, mm. distinctly tells us that uh, this, this side is the best team in the world. And that's obviously been extrapolated out with the Club World Cup and teams from, from other continents are involved. Indeed, yeah, but we invariably still get that game. Very, very often we still we still get of course. that game. I find it really curious, in fact, just as a quick caveat, that no Mexican side has ever got to the final, I don't think, which just seems strange to me. What, of the Club World Cup? Of the Club World Cup, because mm. they're notoriously pretty strong. Yeah, though, I mean, the Libertadores kind of fixed against them. Yes. Uh, so yes. they'd have to do it through the CONCACAF version, CONCACAF, yes. which means they start early in the Club World Cup, whether that mm. makes a, mm. a difference, I don't know. But yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's a fair point. I mean, so just just to clarify what I mean when I say Libertadores is fixed against them. <laughs> so Mexico obviously is part of CONCACAF, but they, they because of their massive TV market, they play in the Libertadores and have done since the early, early 90s, I think. Um, no, not anymore, but they were. They stopped now, but yes. yeah, but, but they, for they, a they time, did for they a time. Um, and there was various things to try and stop them winning it. So if they got to the final, they would always play the second leg away mm. because yeah, the, the logic was the Libertadores Trophy can never be awarded outside of South America, unless in Madrid last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, less <laughs> yeah. said about that the better, yeah. perhaps. <laughs> um, but yeah, so. Um, as you say, Rupert, in, in inevitably or invariably is uh, the, the South American champions versus the European champions in, in, in the Club World Cup. Well, I think it's worth saying as well that it was a the, the gulf between South American football mm. and European football, although significant in, in 2000, was not as significant as it is now. Sure. Mm. And the point I was going to make is that there was always this chat that it means more to the South American side than the European side. Yeah. Would, would you go along with that? Yeah, absolutely. Of course it does. It's their chance to flex their muscles on a global stage and to show that their football can compete. I mean, after this game, Carlos Bianchi said that we showed that Argentinian football is the best in the world, mm. which you know, I think he got a bit ahead of himself then. But yeah. which, well, which is, and, and Florentino Perez famously yeah. said, how are we going to conquer the Asian market yeah. performance like that? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what I mean, wouldn't you call that Carlos Bianchi's, maybe he's Larry David, Larry David maybe, moment. Perhaps it's like Larry that. David yeah. moment indeed. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a fan of uh, lookalikes. But um, but yeah, so I mean, as you say, Jonathan, at the time, the year 2000 wasn't the gulf perhaps um, between the two, the two sides. The, the, the previous final, I think Manchester United had won 1-0, of course. But going into this one, Boca Juniors, certainly with, with those players, in in their in the, in and among their ranks, there was a bit of excitement from, from the Argentinian mm. sort of perspective here. Well, there's always huge excitement mm. ahead of these games. I think not least because traditionally we always have a good six month gap between the Libertadores final and the Club World Cup, mm. and then and so everything just becomes focused on that. Well, whatever's going on in those six months, it, they disregard. I mean, that's, again, the, the calendar has changed. The Libertadores final yes. is now later in the year. Mm. It's now late in the year. So the, this game was played, I think, the end of November. So yes, mm-hmm. roughly six months after both of the, the yeah, finals. Yeah, I, I think that's a shame. I, I really enjoy. I think, as an observer, I think I really enjoyed those six months because mm-hmm. now with with globalization of the game the way that it is, teams are invariably ripped apart. Mm. But this Club World Cup was great at just keeping teams apart. Yeah. I mean, the Corinthians team who beat Chelsea in 2012, then they lost one player. One player over that six months because everybody stayed because they wanted to be a part of this. Mm. And indeed, they signed Palo Guerrero, so they got stronger before mm-hmm. this, this competition. So Real Madrid, they, they'd won the Champions League final that year in 2000, beating Valencia 3-0 in the final, which included mm-hmm. a lovely uh, volley from Steve McManaman. Did. Uh, and uh, Boca had beaten uh, Palmeiras in the, the two-legged uh, affair, of course, in the final of the Copa Libertadores on penalties. They'd beaten their fierce rivals River on the way there. Mm-hmm. So they were, they were in pretty good shape. So... I mean, how good was this Boca team 
Rupert in in you know in terms of other Boca teams you know because as, as you say Raquelme and, and Palermo are the two kind of standout greats in that side who have statues to to them at Boca Stadium. Yeah, they were. They were undoubtedly the two stars. Um, I think the rest. Of the... <laughs> Sorry, um, I, I, I know I've told you this story. Sure. Uh, <laughs> indulge me for a moment, please, Jonathan. Um, I, I went out with an Argentinian girl for for three years, okay. and for... none of us ever met. Coincidentally, yeah. <laughs> he's, I mean, to be honest with you, if you've ever been to Argentina, he's already showing off there. Yeah. <laughs> but carry on, my good um, man. And I, th- I think like the first big family dinner. I think I'd met her dad before this, but yeah, family dinners are big things. So I'm very, very nervous, and uh, I, you know, want to, you know, I, I, I want her dad to like me. Yeah, turn up in your Sunderland kit. Did you? <laughs> and his brother, Sebastian, Uncle Sebastian, mm-hmm. uh, who didn't really know much about football, but he, he and <laughs> probably not compared to you, Jonathan. Araceli's father. Araceli's family were all Boca season ticket holders. Okay, right. And, and her dad definitely knew a lot about football. Oh, Sunderland playing red and white. That's no good. It's not, but we had Julio Arca, so yeah, okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, um, and Sebastian and 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 her dad would often argue. So Uncle Sebastian, trying to make conversation, says to me, "Yeah, who do you think's better, Palermo or Riquelme? This is what eight eight years, nine years after this game, but they they both via various skewers routes gone back. Their relationship, which I'm sure we'll talk about, had, had soured by then. They didn't get on at all. And I, in my bad Spanish, thinking this is a really kind of awkward moment because if I pick the wrong one mm-hmm. I could really annoy yeah, Araceli's which dad. one's the right answer uh, para mi el jugador más importante de Boca es Bataglia who's the hard working holding midfielder right and Araceli's dad it turns out was a massive Bataglia fan oh. <laughs> and I could not have said anything better so let's not forget they also had Sebastian Bataglia who has won more trophies with Boca than any other player Absolutely. I think some of them might be debatable. I don't think he managed a minute in a, at least a couple of those. <laughs> he, he suffered a lot with injuries. But he suffered but... a lot with injuries, yeah. Well, well, I'm suitably impressed mm. that you impressed uh, Uncle Sebastian. So, yeah. Indeed. But going back to... But it was a good side. I mean, Oscar Cordova yes. was, a, was a good goalkeeper. Yes, the Colombian uh, Jorge Bermudez was a, was a really good centre-back. Basualdo mm-hmm. mm-hmm. was, was a yeah, very... He was like 37 and still going. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I mean, you can obviously... These are good names. Badiso yeah. was on the bench. Badiso, yeah, he came on for the last couple of, couple yeah, of minutes. I think. Went and had a good career at Roma for. Yeah, a while. and I think just quickly going back to the to the sure, yeah. the River Plate uh, quarterfinals mm. that season, it was also the game of the um, Gol de la Muletas, okay. which is one of the great moments of Palermo's, Palermo's legend. The, yeah, exactly. It was a goal on crutches where essentially he had ripped his knee apart mm-hmm. like six months previously. He had rushed back desperately to get into this game. The game, I think second leg of the game was poised. I think Boca were one goal up, but one goal for River and everything would be equal again. Palermo hobbles on, can barely even move. I mean, it's ridiculous. He it's can't play. It's ludicrous he's being chucked into action. It's ridiculous, but he came on when the game was very stretched because River were chasing it. And so anyway, the ball gets cut back to him. There's a huge Boca surge forward. The ball gets cut back and he spends about five minutes just controlling the ball, <laughs> spinning around, having a little look around. He's about 12 yards out oh. and then just manages to swing his leg enough to roll it into the corner. And But, but after that, his well, leg... This, this, this goal, uh, when when he set Bocca's goal scoring record, they released a, a, a special edition series of boots, each of them numbered, referring to his 170-odd, 180 goals. 19 maybe, but yes. No, it was, it was, I'm sure it was 170 because okay. they had that counter yes, that kept they going on. He scored a lot of goals. Yes. Uh, and this was number 70, 70 something, 73, 76, something like that. Mm-hmm. 
and they auctioned off these these boots for charity and that pair of boots was the one that fetched the highest price. Is that of all right? Palermo's goals. This was the one that people wanted to, yeah, to to, to buy the the boots of. Incredible. I mean, you you can forget actually what a decent player Palermo was. And well, he was a, he was an incredibly ugly, effective player. Yeah, yeah. He he didn't care. I mean, this is this is the great divide between him and Riquelme. Mm. He's all about putting the ball over the line. Yeah, doesn't matter how it goes in. Yeah. Riquelme is all about the artistry. Yeah, Absolutely. I think it's fair to say Palermo was a man of limited talent, but of infinite resolve. Yeah, very much, um, and great desire. Absolutely. But it's a great shame that some people, I don't know if this, I hope this is not the case, but some people will immediately think of those three penalties he missed for Argentina in the yeah. um, Copa America. When was it? Was that pre this this game? Yes, that was 1999. Yeah, it yeah, was, Bielsa was the coach, wasn't it? Yeah, right, okay. which Palermo labelled his death sentence for his international career. Yeah, but it also did, uh, did come back for... <laughs> but he did for, back the vital goal against Peru, yes. yeah, to, to get them to the and, 2010 and, World Cup. And got his World Cup goal in 2010. And got his World Cup against Greece. But he, Greece. Was, was he sort of the first Boca player to score a World Cup in, like, you know, since 1934? It was a long ridiculous. time. I think he was yeah. Argentina's oldest ever goal scorer in the World Cup as well. Right, well, that's certainly believable. Yeah. I'm sure there hadn't been a Boca goal scorer for a long, long time. Anyway, sorry. No, not at all. It's all worthwhile. OK, let's go for a quick break and then after that we will talk about the match itself. See you in a moment. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This episode of the Football Ramble is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life throws many different challenges at us, and as a result, we all have our own sources of stress. Whether big or small, those stresses can impact our lives in unpredictable ways, and if we don't address them, they can have an outsized and unwanted impact. Therapy is a safe place in which we can address these issues, learn to understand them, and find ways to work through them. Having therapy can be beneficial to anybody, not just people who've experienced major traumas, even if you may have not considered it before. It could be simply a time for you to get things off your chest, a way to learn positive coping skills or how to set boundaries. Ultimately, it can be whatever you need it to be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and BetterHelp will match you to a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash ramble. 
esta pelota Palermo. Atrás la para Casilla, Boca, campeón intercontinental. So we talked a bit about the Boca side there, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, the Real Madrid side have got some names that everyone's probably heard of, really. I mean, yeah. Rupert, d- d- far away. This was sort of the, the initial stages of the Galacticos era. This was before Zidane, Ronaldo and Jonathan Woodgate. But, <laughs> but yes, they did. They, they had a, we'll run through the team very quickly, they had a young, young Icacias in goal, uh, Jeremy at right back, Iero and Caranca in the middle, Roberto Carlos playing the entire left side. They had Alguera, Makaleli, McManaman in midfield. So McManaman's in the three. He's in the three. Um, and then we had Guti ahead of them, and then Luis Figo. At that time, the game's most expensive player ever. Well, he just signed that summer, he hadn't he? So Real so Madrid have won two of the previous three Champions Leagues, and they've added to that by bringing in Figo, which I think is probably you can date the start of the Galactic Zero from, from, that, so, yeah. from that signing. Mm. Yeah, and yeah, Raúl up top. Yeah, and Raúl up top. Yeah, and absolutely, Figo had been absolutely brilliant for the past three mm. three years or so for Barcelona. I think, for my money, was the best player in the world. So there was sporting merit to signing him, but it was. Evidently of market. Yeah, so so that I mean, phenomenal size. Phenomenal size. Great, great names in there. So you, great coach. Yeah, absolutely. Vincente de Bosque mm-hmm. is in charge. So you know, it's still a cup final. Yeah. Of sort, you don't want to lose any game for crying out loud. No, and as Jonathan alluded to, a cup final is very important to the club as well. Absolutely. So the game's three minutes old, and we get the first goal. Yes, we do. And guess who? Yeah. St. <laughs> Martin Palermo. St. Martin Palermo, yeah, <laughs> indeed. Um, and yeah, it's kind of, it was a goal, I think, making, uh, which which kind of typified, I think, Bianchi's approach for the entire game. He basically split aside and perhaps in half, really. Palermo was up top. <clears throat> Delgado was running all around him. Mm. The Kelme, Rakami was playing. Everybody else was defending for their lives. <laughs> <clears throat> no interest. I think the, the, the fullbacks came past the halfway line except to take throw-ins pretty much for the entire game. But yeah, that, but, well, as well, Madrid's fullbacks didn't go past the halfway line the other direction. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Absolutely, which is pretty much what led yeah. to this goal. I think Jeremy throws a ball, throws a ball in. It goes straight to Marcos Senna in midfield, and as soon as Senna collects a ball, Delgado's off. Yeah. He's running straight away into the space behind Jeremy. Senna pops a ball left. Beaut- to, it's a beautiful pass. Yeah, pops a ball off to, to well, Basualdo. Basualdo. Yeah, Basualdo. Sorry, yes. He's about seventy-five by that point. Yeah, who had been? I think he'd been at Velez with Bianchi previously, actually. Yeah, he would have been. Yeah, so yeah. very experienced. So yeah, he he curled a lovely ball down the flank. It's almost a shame that that wasn't an, the assist. Yes, it was. Yeah, it was a that lovely pass, ball. It needs to be. I mean, he's got a lot of hit, a lot of space to hit. Yeah, but he waits it perfectly yeah. so that Delgado's run doesn't have to check his stride no, or anything. Straight onto it, Delgado heads for the byline, and on the other side of a penalty area, the other fullback hasn't got back quick enough either. <laughs> now, Roberto Carlos must be. I think conservatively 25 times faster than Martin Palermo. <laughs> but Palermo still got five yards on him. And <clears throat> as the ball comes across, it evades Iero and Karanka. And Palermo's there to just tap it home. I, th- I mean, tapping. I think it's been... quite it's a controlled side foot volley. Well, yes. I th- I'm surprised it's, actually you've been slightly dismissive it's there. Six Rupert. yards, though, right? I mean, I think, yeah, but of the 200 or so goals that Palermo scored, yes, that's probably <laughs> in the top 20 most that's difficult. A point. That's a fair point. <laughs> yeah, but so. So one nil Boca and they're, they're thoroughly joining it, and then one nil soon become soon became two nil. Indeed, with a throw from the other side, yeah. with the other fullback this time. Mm. Well, I think Roberto Carlos throws a ball in. It eventually gets to Raúl on the edge of the box. He miscontrols it. Sebastian Bataglia, más importante para el <laughs> <laughs> claro. pinches a ball, pops it onto Riquelme, and Riquelme just turns and in, goes into quarterback mode. <clears throat> one touch, turns, looks, and just sprays effortlessly this sixty-yard ball mm. for Palermo. And it's got a perfect amount of backspin on it. 
so it just holds up as it bounces. I think Casillas had thought about coming off his line to get that. Mm. And watching it, you think he probably should have done. Mm. But once the ball bounces and you see how it holds up, he probably would have been stuck if he had come. And so Palermo, <clears throat> again, mentally, was a good 20 yards ahead of the rest of the guys, thankfully. <laughs> he got there first. The ball bounced up, and this yeah. is, and it was a lovely finish. But ju- as you say, and he that... hits it on the bounce, not a volley, but on the bounce. Yeah, yeah. Across Gar one to Dif it's a brilliant finish. It Wonderful. Finish. And it just shows that the link up between Riquelme and Palermo, yeah. and the, the sort of almost instinctive mm. understanding they mm-hmm. had. Yeah, I mean that it, it was, as you say, like classic Riquelme just turns and spins. And when when I mean, Riquelme... Palermo's first five yards are in Riquelme's head. <laughs> Just as well, yes. Well, and as you say, it's just as well that yeah, absolutely. Palermo was twenty yards ahead because yeah. he only just gets the shot away. I think. Yeah, and Fernando Riero with his chicken wings yeah. wasn't wasn't the quickest, but a lot of them were much quicker than mm. Palermo. It's interesting. I mean, it's something that I I should have said actually before we talked about the goals. I, I find it remarkable if you think about that Real Madrid side and you think about the quality, and also now what we think of Spanish football and Spanish teams. You watch that game as soon as the kickoff happens. It's passed. It's knocked back to. I suppose it would be Hierro, maybe. Mm-hmm. And he just hoofs it up the pitch, like a long ball. And it's so unSpanish. Perhaps, yeah. But I think one of the passes that this side played quite a lot was Iero out to Roberto Carlos. Yeah. Now I watched that game about six. No, but times this is just a hoof up the pitch. It, it may well have been. But he often played long passes for mm. Roberto Carlos, and he also did have a reputation of playing long passes. Mm. Well, okay. that, I mean, that was quite controversial. I mean, Capello, when Capello becomes manager, he encourages him to to play that pass, mm-hmm. and. Yeah, the the, the the Madrid media is very critical. Why, why are they just hitting long balls all the time? But it's an incredibly effective way of playing. Because mm. Roberto Carlos is so quick and plays so high. He sort of, a lot of people know he's a very attacking fullback. He's still coming from a mm-hmm. an area that mm. other teams are not used to defending against. So it, because Hierro was so good at that right to left long pass, if, you know, if he can hit it into, into that corner for Roberto Carlos to run onto, it means that, you know, that, that, that right back, the opposition right back, he's not just thinking about marking... Guti in this case or whoever mm. the, the left wing happens to be he's also worrying about Roberto Carlos getting beyond them and that pass going over his head mm. so it's it, I think it's a really dangerous weapon having a, in your arsenal yeah well and of course speaking of Roberto Carlos you know he has a moment uh, before he does eventually score he cuts in and, and hits the bar and then you know after six minutes it's of course it's 2-0 Boca and then after 12 minutes Carlos does get his goal and, and rifles in from I don't know sort of 15 yards yeah, out, something it, like that. It was probably a goal that exposed a one tactical kink in Bianchi's armour that day. Hmm. Because, like I said, everybody else had their jobs. Everybody else was organised. The three midfielders, the right side of one Bataglia would always shuffle, shuffle back into his right and help out his fullback, Ibarra. Basuare would do the same on the other side. But in this situation, for the first time, I think, in that game, I think it was Makaleli had come over to the right side to help out. And so all of a sudden, Madrid had three. They had Figo, McManaman and Makaleli there. Riquelme being Riquelme didn't bother, couldn't be bothered to join in there. And and so Basualdo and um, Matalan, their left back, suddenly found themselves outnumbered. And I think the whole Boca side kind of shifts across there to try and compensate a little bit, by which time Figo puts in a deep cross over Raul. It gets Ibarra. Ibarra wins the header. Ibarra, I mean, Ibarra's head is, under normal circumstances, is fine. Yeah. yeah, under normal circumstances, is fine. However, he's already had a warning shot where Roberto Carlos is there. He knows Roberto Carlos is coming. They've been working up to this. They've been working up to, to combat this for months up until this game. I mean, this this competition, because when it was scheduled, was at the end of the Argentinian season. So Bianchi said, we couldn't do any physical work. Everything had to be tactical. The guys were exhausted. All we could work on was tactics in preparation for this game. So, Ibarra, I mean, it may be overly critical to blame Ibarra. But anyway, yes, he kind of balloons a header up into the air and it bounces and 
enter Roberto Carlos. I mean, it's a brilliant finish. And it's it a is. wonderful finish. Hits it with the outside of his yeah. left foot. Yeah. I mean, where I give Ibarra the, the, uh, you know, a pass mm-hmm. is his positioning is right. Yeah, yes. he, there's nothing else he can do. No. He's won the header. He's got it essentially out of the box. Mm-hmm. And even if he knows Roberto Carlos is there, you would expect to play in that position to take a touch and then Ibarra can get across. Yeah. But Roberto Carlos doesn't take a touch. He just lashes it back mm-hmm. over the keeper's head. I, I just think you've got to say it's a brilliant finish. Yeah, it's, it was an excellent finish, yeah. And when that goal goes in, I'm sure the neutral's probably thinking, oh, here we go. The the, the title turn, you know, Bocker mm-hmm. have hit them with a couple of sucker punches, but now the big boys, that they, they score and so on. So what does Bianchi do there? You mentioned that the players were tired yeah. going into this game and he's thinking tactical. What what then is Bocker's response? Because there's not another goal in the game, of course, and it's still early days, only after 12 yeah, minutes I, all this has happened. I think to quote the great Steve McLaren... No problems. Mm-hmm. Everything's the same. They reacted well to the goal. <laughs> yeah, but but they actually but they actually did because they, they knew exactly how much we were going to play that that evening. Yeah. They yes, the goal had come, but aside from that, they were fairly comfortable with most of the other things that they had been doing. And I think the ch- the, the the turning point for Boca really came at that uh, after twenty minutes because that was it was a, like you said they were probably going to be under siege now for a lot of the rest of the game, and so it was going to be a war of attrition really for them. And I think at twenty minutes things changed a little bit symbolically because I think the concept of Rikelme sort of became concrete on 20 minutes when mm. he picked up the ball. <clears throat> Boca couldn't keep the ball. They were It was backs against the wall stuff, like I said already. We're only 20 minutes in. But Rikelme picks up the ball in the middle. <clears throat> he beats Makaleli once. La Porta beats Makaleli again. Goes left, beats Makaleli again. And eventually is hauled down for a free kick. Just out wide, sort of five, ten yards off a touchline. Places a ball, swerves one for the back post, nearly dips un- under the bar. Casilla saves it. There's a huge roar from all the Boca fans, and all the Bo- and Boca just looked a little bit revitalised. Mm. Like actually, Ricamo can play. Yeah, <laughs> he can play for us. We're going to be okay. Yeah, and and the, the the game, as I say, carries on, and they hold out for the two one win. Mm-hmm. I mean, was were they surprised that Real Madrid didn't have a bit more? Um, I think. I don't think so. I think they 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 think that they they outwitted them, that mm. they were better than them tactically, that they they managed to. And that's uh, what Bianchi was really good at. And that I mean, was, he was really yeah. good at winning two-legged, or, you know, mm. knockouts, mm-hmm. one-off ties, mm. uh, getting the tactics right, getting them to, to defend well. Palermo was a great outlet. You got Delgado, yeah, buzzing about everywhere. So you mm-hmm. got the, the physicality of Palermo. You got the pace of, of Delgado and the energy of Delgado. And then if a ball pops off them or if it you know, comes short. You got Rikelma, he's not going to lose it. He's going to hold it. He's going to, at the very least, Give waste a bit of time by yeah. holding it, kind of, you know, slowing everything down, finding a the pass. So Rikelma was a sort of the 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 release valve Absolutely. to stop the pressure building up. Mm. And I think you're absolutely right. What happened for 20 minutes was the first real evidence of of how that worked. Mm-hmm. And he just took all uh, the intensity out of Real Madrid. Every time it looked like building up ahead of steam, there's Raquel made to calm everything down. Yeah, because I think it's, obviously it's very frustrating when you're chasing the game, right? We've all been there, whatever level, it's very frustrating when you're chasing the game. When you are chasing the great game, it's always it with such great urgency. You just want to keep going, keep going. And every time this fella gets a ball <laughs> and he just swans around with it and everything <laughs> slows down and you can't get it off him, mm. yeah, I think it, it was infuriating. And there's a wonderful moment right towards the end of the game where Rikame picks up the ball on the left and turns Jeremy four or five times before he's eventually kicked up in the air and he crumbles down. He crumbles on top of the ball and he just holds it like a baby and he just will not let go until his team, I think it's Basualdo, comes over to take the free kick. 
And then gin- very gingerly gets up and rolls him the ball. So, okay, now you can. It was mine, but now you can borrow. It. <laughs> yeah, he's wonderful at drawing a foul, Raquel. Man. Yeah, absolutely. Do, I mean, do you think though that so when so Boca win the win the cup, of course, mm-hmm. and uh, you know the scenes of celebration show mm-hmm. what it means to Bianchi. And you said earlier, what was the quote? He said it was the greatest moment for. Yeah, w- yeah. Um, he said uh, we showed the Argentinian footballers the best in the world. Yeah. Okay. So 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 there you go. So that shows what it means to them. But it's not that long after that Raquel May goes to Europe, of course. Mm-hmm. I'm. Do you? I mean, I know you love Raquel, obviously, and one of your favourite players. Do you, do you think he is hugely underappreciated in certain parts of the world, or generally speaking? Mm, possibly. Um, I think. I think generally, probably yes. But then there are obviously certain pockets of the world who probably yeah. hold him a little bit too high, myself included, <laughs> and certainly <clears throat> half plus one of 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 Buenos Aires. Yeah. Um, I think that's the case. And I was thinking about this uh, earlier, actually, and wondering why. And um, I think someone here had a quote that Raquel May was a man out of time. I think that was your good self, Wilson. Yeah, something like that, yeah. Something along those lines. But I think that's true. I also think that if you've got Raquel May, you have to set up the rest of the team to play to him. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd always been a Raquel May sceptic. Yep. And I'd seen him a a tiny bit at Barcelona, a little little bit more at Villarreal. Um, And Barcelona... I mean, of all the coaches for him to be delivered to, to, to Louis yeah. van Gaal was perhaps the worst. Yeah. And you have know, the story of van Gaal giving him a Barca shirt for his kid, for his baby, yeah. saying he'll have more need of it than you will. Uh, after an £11 million move, oh, yeah. which yeah, in the days when £11 million was a lot of money, it wasn't sort of a, oh. a Stoke fullback. No. It was... And you know, he never had a chance at Barcelona because no. that type of player cannot play for van Gaal's side. But... And as football has gone towards yeah. that, that pressing model, there's no place for Riquelme. So Villarreal is a much smaller team. Mm-hmm. We're able to accommodate him. And yeah, he he was within a penalty kick of, of taking them to Champions the Champions League final in 2006. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, and of course, part of the Riquelme mythos is when it comes to a moment like that, he always missed unless it was for Boca. Yeah. Um, mm. But then I, you know, I saw I, I, the first game I... I um, uh, first Boca game I saw, uh, first date I went on with Araceli, was uh, Boca against Cruzeiro in the last 16 of Libertadores. Mm-hmm. And I suddenly saw what Raquel May was. <laughs> and I saw him in La Bombonera. And there's um, uh, uh, that Argentinian columnist, um, whose name escapes me, who, who talks of him as holding a court in his thrall. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> you have to have a court there. And that court is only at La Bombonera. It's nowhere else. Mm-hmm. It was briefly in Villarreal, but it was, yeah. Riquelme is only truly Riquelme when he's playing for Boca at La Bombonera. Absolutely. And and the partnership he has with Palermo, which we see in, in the game that we're talking about, was one that produced a lot of goals and so on. But of course, they, they did have a fallout, didn't they, quite spectacularly? Mm. Yeah, a pretty big fallout, which is kind of inevitable, right? When you think that these are two polar opposites, proper opposite sides of the spectrum in pretty much everything, really. Um, obviously, Riquelme placed the aesthetic and his own personal aspirations, I think it's fair to say, above everybody else, apart from Boca, who he does truly love. Whereas, oh, he played for free for them for a year. He played for free for them for two years, in fact. He did it twice. The second time, he donated all his money back um, under Julio Falcioni. He said, build the, build the training ground, do something with the training ground. <laughs> when Falcioni left, he said he said about Falcioni... He didn't go on with Falcioni at no, all. No, he didn't go on with Falcioni at all. Hmm. He said... He said, why do I need a coach like Falcioni? What's he going to teach me? How to be a goalkeeper? <laughs> because Falcioni was a former goalkeeper. Yeah, and was notoriously defensive. Yeah, Although yeah. he did win a little bit of doors. Yeah, indeed. Indeed he did. But um, 
when I, I've, so I've thought a lot about Palermo and Riquelme and the dichotomy there and binary between the two. And um, there's a book which actually I think Wilson, you might have recommended to me a good decade ago now by Eduardo Archetti, who speaks of oh, the masculinities. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. so he's an Argentine anthropologist and he speaks of the. Um, of a contradictory character of Argentinian football, where male individual virtues are transformed into contrasting styles and moral attitudes. I think never is that more clear than in Palermo and Riquelme. Yeah. And at the moment when this this breakdown of the relationship becomes obvious is the moment when Palermo breaks the record. Yeah. Which, you oh. know, it, this has been expected for a long time. So if, if you think of La Bombonera, you've got the sort of horseshoe stands yeah. and then you've got the, the executive boxes. Is, is, <laughs> Giving them far too grand a, <laughs> the a box, just the boxes, the, 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 the boxes, yeah. And from one of the boxes, there's a sort of bed sheet being hung out with with the sort of counter. Every time he scores, they put another number up. Uh, yeah, cross out the old one. Cross out the old ones, yeah. And um, so everybody's been waiting for this moment. And it finally comes with Riquelme, of course, providing the assist. I mean, mm. Riquelme could easily have scored himself, but yeah. rolled it square. Palermo knocks it in, and they run off to celebrate in opposite directions. Yeah. And not only that, but half the team goes with one and half with the other. Yeah, it's a fascinating, it's a moment, isn't and, it? Yeah, and Palermo is truly furious. And he's got every right to be too as well. Yeah. Every right to be furious at that moment. But Riquelme stole his big moment. Yeah, uh-huh. indeed. And it, it was so bad that when Palermo, Palermo did finally leave, I think a year after that, and um, Sebastian Pataglia said, that it's, it's probably good now he's gone because now we can... But his put... farewell was one of the most extraordinary things oh, I've yeah. ever seen in the football pitch. Yeah, Argentinians do farewells like, like few <laughs> So he built a big stage, they gave him this big cape which looked uh-huh. like a shower curtain. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> the local kids had sewn. It was like a, like a night sky uh-huh. with stars and moons and Ooh. things. Um, <laughs> it was a very, very... It was remarkable. When, <laughs> when for Juan Verón's, um, I think, penultimate last game, when he first retired but then came back later or whatever... They actually had a witch swinging from the rafters. <laughs> oh, is that right? Literally a bloke in a witch costume. Was that for a Studiantes? Yeah, for a Studiantes. Because Veronica's his nickname is La Brujita, the little yeah. witch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah, we should have said. So, um, but, the, 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 but they patched it up, Palermo and Raquel May? Uh, I'm not so sure. Not so sure. I'm not so sure. I don't think they were ever that friendly anyway. Okay. And then they were quite clearly very unfriendly. Okay. And they've kind of since gone their separate ways, really. Raquel May doesn't do a whole lot. He's occasionally on Fox, I think, in Argentina, complaining okay. about stuff. Yeah. Um, he was talking recently about actually about uh, he said oh, I don't know where football's going these days what are those things they wear those things they wear on the back I don't know what the fuck they're for what do you need that for anyway <laughs> why do I need anybody to tell me football's just about rolling the ball and positioning your body that's it that's it that's it that's all it's about um, but it's in 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 Boca Juniors themselves, who is seen as a, the greater legend, or is it not really seen like that? You just appreciate them both for what I they think were. Riquelme, I think it divides people. Though, I think it, it? divides. So, well, I wonder if people. Riquelme was. If you were Roy Keane or Riquelme Mick McCarthy, was technic- Riquelme was technically voted the club's greatest ever idol a good six or seven years ago now. I think ahead of Diego Maradona, and that's mm-hmm. kind of what made headlines as they mm-hmm. liked him more than Maradona. But yeah, I think like Jonathan says, I think it divides people yeah, because yeah. it kind of it kind of says a little bit about who you are as a person. I think. Yeah. Well, I think we'll leave and it. Neither, neither being good nor bad, but but yeah. who who do we admire more? I, I, th- I think it's the... I think it's telling that they both have statues. They, yes. you know, you, well, as you say, they're, they're, the, they're the two sides of what, mm-hmm. what what is Boca, what is Argentina. Absolutely. Hmm. There we are, gentlemen. Rupert, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks very really much indeed. It. Jonathan, pleasure as always. Cheers, thank you. And uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to Greatest Games on Football Ramble Daily in association with The Blizzard. If you want to hear more stories like that, go to theblizzard.co.uk. And don't forget, we are Monday to Saturday here at Football Ramble Daily, so subscribe to make sure you never miss a show. See you next week.
was a Stakhanov production. Saving money on exterior wall lights. Now at Menards. Find your style with Patriot Lighting. Exterior lights enhance the look of your home. Choose from over 50 options from Patriot Lighting. Now through May 19th, get $10 instant savings on a single qualifying purchase of $100 or more on in-stock outdoor wall lights. Check out our entire selection of outdoor lights and see the rest of our deals happening now on Menards.com. Save big.